right, we're live. Another episode of In the Clinch here. I am John Cox, the host. My co-host is always the international man of mystery, Teddy Benders. Theo, say hi to the people. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Word. We got um, a small show for you today. We're going to put something out, even though there was no fights this weekend, because uh, we do have a full fight, a uh, full weekend of fights coming up this weekend. Um, a lot of fights, actually. Big prelim card. I don't think I've ever seen that. We have a nine-fight prelim I don't think I've ever seen that before. Maybe I'm just not remembering right. Maybe they'll move some to the early prelims and separate those as they tend to do. Um, so right out of the bat, I just want to real quick, I think I missed this last week. We talked about the middleweight division and the heavyweight division respectively, but there were some rankings. I usually like to read off where people have gone in the rankings and um, how it is adjusted. So just real quick before we get into the actual meat of the episode, Derek Brunson moved from the five spot to the four spot. Martin Victoria moves down to the five spot from the four spot. They switched spots. Sean Strickland moved up from eight to seven. Darren Till down from seven to eight. Uriah Hall up to nine. Kelvin, Kelvin Gastelum down to 10. Over in heavyweight, we have Tom Aspinall jumping up two spots from 13 to 11. Walt Harris down one from 11 to 12. And Blagoy Ivanov switches from 12 to 13 while sergey pavlich moves from 15 to or from 15 to 14 and sergey spivak moves from 14 to 15 so we have a bunch of stuff going on in those two divisions uh finally some some stuff going on in those divisions they've been kind of stale as of recently though uh real quick let's start getting right into it here we have the upcoming fight night this is on september 18th from i believe the ufc apex center Anthony Lionheart Smith versus Ryan Superman Span. Um, we got a bunch of fights here. Uh, I guess I'll just read them off real quick. I usually just at the end of the episode, but since this is kind of a different episode, and we're going to go somewhat short than we usually do. I'll just read them off real quick, then we'll talk about the main event. So at the main event, or uh, at the main event, we have Anthony Smith versus Ryan Span. That is in the light heavyweight division. Anthony Smith coming in at the sixth ranked spot. And Ryan Spann coming in at 11, respectively. Then at the, we have another lightweight competition here. Ian Kutabala versus Devin Clark. Women's flyweight, Ariana Lipsky versus undefeated Matty Baum at 7-0. One no contest. Lightweight, we have Armin um, Sarukian. Sarukian, I think is how you say that. He is 16-2 versus Christos Giagos. He is 19-8. Bantamweight, we have Nathan Manis, 13-1 versus Tony Gravely, 21 and 6. Middleweight, we have Re- Joaquin Buckley. I don't I think that's a return fight for him. I don't know. I can't. He's fought recently. I know he has. I just don't remember. Versus Antonio Arroyo. That is at middleweight. And then the prelim card, nine fights on the prelim card. Mike Rodriguez versus Tafan Chukwi. Uh, women's bantamweight, Penny Kianzad versus Raquel Pennington. Lightweight, we have Dakota Bush versus uh, Hu Rong. Lightweight again, we have Nicolas Mata versus Cameron Van Camp. Bantamweight, Montel Jackson versus J.P. Bides. Women's flyweight, Aaron Blanchfield versus Sarah Alpar. Welterweight, Impa Kasagane is returning again versus Carlston Harris. That is at welterweight. Bantamweight, Gustavo Lopez versus Halai Alatang. And women's flyweight, Emily Whitmire versus Hannah Goldie. Give me some oxygen, Jesus Christ, Theo. Um, we have a main event coming up here. Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann, a big fight in the UFC lightweight division, light heavyweight division, excuse me. Um, of course, we have the champion is Jan, the Polish power, or whatatever. What is this? Does he have a nickname? Jan Blachowicz? Polish, Polish power. power. Is it Polish yeah. power? Yeah. 
Lahowitz. Um, so this is a big fight for this division. I, I really like uh, Anthony Smith's odds on this. I know people are high on um, Ryan Spann, but uh, Anthony Smith, I, I can't like no one can seem to put this guy away for good. Like it seems like he's getting his ass kicked, then he comes back, wins a couple fights, um, and just kind of won't go away. And I think this light heavyweight division is a little bit more wide open, definitely more wide open than it has ever been in the last decade, really, with John Jones, obviously the monster at the top. Um, Anthony Smith, two and one in his last three fights. His last fight is a first round KO uh, of Jimmy Crute. That was at five minutes. I believe he couldn't come on for the second round, if I remember correctly, or Dr. Stoppage. Uh, so which fight? The first Jimmy Crute? No, uh, Jimmy Crute. Couldn't like come out for the second round because right, okay. of the uh, it was there was the uh, calf kick that caused that uh, the drop foot. Drop foot. Yep. First. Okay. Yep. 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 Um, that was at UFC what two sixty one? Yes, it was. Yeah. So uh, Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spahn. I like I said I like I like Anthony Smith in this fight. I like him a lot. Um, I, I especially with this division as wide open as it is right now. Um, there's obviously some huge heavy gunslingers at the top: Glover Teixeira, Yuri Prasaka. Uh, Alexander Rochas, Diego Santos, Dominic Reyes. Um, I just think there's a good shot for everyone to get their shot at the champion. I think more than likely what we're going to see is Yuri Prisaka get his next, get the next shot. Um, or yeah, because uh, Glover just fought. No, no, no. I'm sorry, I'm retarded. Glover is fighting Jan, right? Yeah, Glover's fighting Jan. That? That's two sixty-seven, correct? That's yeah, the free fight. The, that's the end of the month. Yeah, in Abu so, Dhabi. I think the next up after that is going to be uh, Yuri Prasaka. Personally, I think that yeah. he's kind of just sitting there waiting. I don't expect there to be a number one contender fight between him and Rakic. I think that he's just going to get this shot. He's super exciting. I think they want this guy fighting for the title. Um, but I really like Anthony Smith. I, I, I think he can make a sort of a late career second run at this championship belt. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, I mean, I'd like his chances against Jan Blachowicz more than mm-hmm. I did against John Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, but Anthony Smith really should be the favorite here, and I do have favorite to win this fight. Yep. But what I love is that Anthony Smith recently has taken a step back in an opponents. Uh, yeah. I feel like a lot of the times in the UFC, we see it all the time. When people, they go on these losing skids, and they can't really get together, and then they keep fighting top-level fighters. I would really like to see more people just kind of admit that they're on a bit of a skin and they need to regroup and re, uh, rework some things and take lesser competition. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how it's turned out here for Anthony Smith. Now his, his last two or three fights, he's taken that back step in competition and it's proven well for him. He's, you've been able to see Anthony Smith make improvements yeah, at, at an age that he's definitely. at now. I, I believe he's like at, at 35, 36. He's been in the game for a long time, but usually guys of his age and of his experience don't make, that much of an improvement at this stage in his career. Uh, but yep. Anthony Smith has done that. That's because he's taken a step back in competition. Um, yeah. One here, a, a fun fact. Sure. The first fighter who I ever got to ask a question as a member of the media was Anthony Smith. And, okay. the, and the quote that I have from him, it, I think is particularly relevant to this fight. I asked him um, if he thought that his experience against Jimmy Crute at UFC 261 Jacksonville was going to lead him to victory because that's obviously a huge advantage he has over Jimmy right. Cruz, a very young fighter, much like Ryan Spann uh, coming off the team. Right, right. And Jim and Anthony said, is Jimmy Cruz going to take me somewhere in the octagon that I've never been before? Is he going to show me something that I've never seen? 
Is he going to hit me hard and is he going to rattle me? Is he going to hit me harder than Hector Lombard hit me? Is he going to be more technical and hard to get to than John Jones? Is he going to be a better grappler than uh, Roger Gracie? I don't think so. I don't foresee that he's going to be different. I probably fought 10 Jimmy Cruz, 10 guys probably just like him. But has anyone taken Jimmy Cruz to those dark places in the octagon? I don't think so. End quote. Which, how about that for a quote? How, how about that for a quote? Hey, not first of all, just so you know, Man of Mystery had a pretty good quote in his first go, just so you know. <laughs> so bad. not bad. Got the quote that you want. Um, right. So Anthony Smith basically – in, in my assessment, he's a little bit better than Ryan Spann and everywhere that Ryan Spann's trying to um, – he's trying to expand his game in. What I've seen a lot from Spann is that he has a decent stand-up game and he's going to eventually force a takedown. However, he doesn't really have the strength to follow through on that and be a really dominant force with his grappling. Um, and he's got decent stand-up, but he's a little bit chinny. He's been finished by, in his last couple fights. Uh, Johnny Walker even finished him as well. He's also really, really stiff on the feet. I don't like his, his footwork at all, especially compared to Anthony Smith's. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at the other side, Anthony Smith is really good uh, at attacking when exiting the clinch, which yeah. is huge for this fight because I feel like Span's going to try and grapple him early on, and there's going to be a lot of opportunities for the clinch to happen. Yeah, and Smith too. is an yeah. expert at exiting the clinch and getting, um, getting finishes like that. However, yeah. much like his opponent, Ryan Span. I think that Anthony Smith has suspicious head movement uh, and he never has his hands up. And oftentimes I've seen Anthony Smith throw really good combinations that land well, but he'll sit there and admire his work. They call that taking yes. pictures of your, of your combinations. Right, so that right. could prove to be problematic for him. Um, yeah. One thing that I'm looking at, a specific shot that I'm looking at is the right cross of Ryan Spann. I think that's his best weapon on the feet, honestly. Um, he hits decently hard, especially with that shot. And that could be troublesome for Anthony Smith. Uh, if, if you're going to ask me for a prediction though, I would say that Smith probably keeps him at bay on the feet, probably manages the distance. Well, jabs him up. That jab has really improved in the Jimmy crew fight. Um, and I think he out techniques him and I think he outspeeds him to a unanimous decision. However, the defensive, um, deficiencies that he does have means that, uh, Ryan Spann's and a live dog, this whole fight. Yeah, I, you actually took the words right out of my mouth with that clinch um, conversation or that talking point right there. I, I agree totally. I think Anthony Smith is fantastic coming out of the clinch. Uh, but also, I mean, stole the words out of my mouth twice here because I agree with your point that he, he likes to admire his work. I wish that he would be a little more um, kind of – I wish he'd be a little quicker with his combos coming out of the clinch. He's good coming out of it, but I wish that it, once he lands that big combo, I'd like to see him kind of keep the fight – to his opponent, keep it going, keep landing the punches, maybe pour it on a little more, not get too crazy. Cause I think he's such a big guy that like, he doesn't move as swiftly as um, let's say a Yuri Kazaka or a John Jones, obviously John Jones being the best light heavyweight of all time. But still, I, I think that he needs to maybe work on just being a little lighter on the feet and it's going to help him big time against a guy like Ryan Spann because he's going to be going for takedowns. He's going to be going for clinch. He's going to try to uh, use that dirty boxing and get inside on Anthony Smith. Uh, Anthony Smith actually is 33, believe it or not. I thought he was older. Uh, oh. Kind of what you said. He's 33 years old. Um, and also the live betting odds, just to go back, uh, Anthony Smith is favored at minus 188 coming out of the gate. As of right now, Ryan Spann, an underdog, at plus 152. So you're right on the money there. I think um, we both agree that he should be the favorite. He is the favorite. Um yeah, I, I it just I, I like the, where he's at right now in his career. I think that he can definitely put some wins together. Um, 
he can string together if he can string together a couple good wins. I don't see any reason why he's not right back there in the title contention spot, especially um, against Jan Blahovic. I'd love to see that fight. I, I think it's an excellent fight. Um, I even like him against uh, Dominic Reyes or maybe even um, Tiago Santos. I'd like to see that fight. Uh, Rakic, I know that he's been kind of sitting at that three spot for a long time. I'm sure he's going to get his shot at some point here too. I'm curious if they're going to do a number one contender fight between him and Yuri. The more I'm thinking about it, the more it's most likely going to happen just because there's going to be so much downtime between uh, Jan and Glover, both whatever happens there. Um, there's going to be a long waiting period of, are they ready to fight? Depending on how the fight goes, maybe it's a first round knockout. One guy's ready to go right away. One guy's not. Uh, I'm curious though, if Jan gets beaten in this fight, loses his strap, do you think he gets the rematch right away? I personally, I don't think he does. I think that they might want to move through this division. And I, I, I see Yuri Prasaka fighting for the title very, very soon. If that's what happens. I think if Jan loses, I think they give him that title shot right away versus Glover Texiera. Yeah, I mean, if, so if, if Glover wins, what happens is a really tough question because we have no idea really how the UFC values Glover Teixeira, right? Right. Um, if you were to guess, right, Glover's, Glover's 40 by now, right? I mean, he's getting uh, up he's there. He's got to be up there. Yeah, he's he's been in the game forever. Um, and he's honestly, to his credit, he's very durable. He gets rocked in the beginning of almost every single fight and somehow always finds a way. He's 41, 41 yeah. So... Glover Teixeira, if he wins this belt, I think they would give an immediate rematch. Or you actually, so? no, because I, I feel like, no, because they really do like Yuri Prohoshka. Right. Um, right, Prohoshka. And, I, and I don't think they, yeah, it's, I think they want to push him more than anything, more mm-hmm. than Jan Blachowicz. So I don't, I don't think they get beyond an immediate rematch, especially because he's only defended it once against Izzy. He, he won the vacant title against Dominic Reyes, but after that, it was just the Izzy fight. Yep. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any huge rush to get Jan back in there, if like in an immediate rematch. No. I think he still hangs out around the top, though. I don't think it's going to be like they're giving a bunch of guys oh, no. shots right away. I think he still no. hangs up there. He's probably going to fight number one contender, at least, soon yeah, after that. Make no mistake, Jan Blachowicz is a world championship caliber fighter. He right. absolutely is. He, he is an almost uh, every yes, ass of the uh, game. Yeah, I'm not saying from a skill standpoint, either. I think even if he loses this fight, they're not going to be like, all right, you had your shot, now we're going to give these guys a shot. I think he still hangs out in the top one or two and yeah. is getting uh, very close to the title again. Yeah, no, the right UFC away. recognizes that he's a top-level elite fighter. Right. They wouldn't They wouldn't give him the same step back that they give like Anthony Smith he's, or somebody I, like that. I, I want to say that he's getting up there in age, though, too. He Can I is. No, I think, I think he, he might be 36. 30, He's yeah. somewhere around there. He's 38 years old, yeah. Jan Blachowicz. Oh, there you go. So it's, I, I mean, you know. Side note, he, he looks keep, great for 38. He looks honestly. fantastic for 38. I never would have guessed he was 38 years old. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I, I mean, how long is he going to keep fighting? It's a good know, question. It's a good question we don't have the answer to. But so if two, I had to I guess mean, sooner rather than later, he'd probably call it quits, right? Right. You have Glover at 41, Jan at 38. I mean, these are two guys. And I, I like to think the back half of their career, just age-wise, I mean, I, even if Glover wins this fight, who knows? He might retire as champion and just vacate it. Then we're looking at maybe a possible uh, vacant title fight between Yuri and Jan, which would be fantastic. Uh, this is all, of course, if Jan loses the strap. And then very well, Glover could lose this fight and say, you know what, that's it for me. 
um, because how quickly is he going to get another title shot? I think if Glover loses this, I think um, then we start seeing guys start rotating through for that number one contender spot and getting title shots and, and of the like. Uh, but get just to get back to the main event that we're discussing here. Um, so we do have Anthony Smith at, at six is a tough spot for me because it's it's tough to justify him getting a title shot within if no, he wins this fight, not. the next fight, or even maybe even the fight after that. Uh, but I think if there's anyone in that top five that hasn't already challenged for the title that could do it, or in the top six, I should say, I, I think it's him that has the best chance of um, of taking home the title. Uh, really? Between all these guys. I really do. I, I like Dominic Reyes. Um, we saw how Yuri finished him. Uh, Tiago Santos, obviously, I don't think he's been the same since the John Jones fight. Alexander Ratchet, Rakic definitely poses a threat. Um, but I, I suppose then Yuri is the other one. So I think it's him and Yuri. I, I like both of their odds. I, I, I don't know. I think Dominic Reyes is very close too. Uh, we have to see how he looks after that Yuri fight because obviously it's a devastating Oof. knockout. Yeah. Who knows if he'll ever be the same. I mean, you can look at Tony Ferguson versus up in that. Justin Gaethje. Um, you can look at Kamara Usman taking out uh, uh, Tyron Woodley. Uh, these guys, they just digress after crazy fights like that. Um, Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway. We still haven't seen him. I can't imagine he's going to be the same. Dan Hooker even versus uh, Dustin Poirier or Paul Felder. You know, I mean, the list goes on and on about guys who have been in these wars or have been brutally knocked out or damaged in fights and how they look after. So I don't know how Dominic Reyes is going to look. You could also argue that Anthony Smith might not look the same after the Glover fight, which was a huge um, controversy in the MMA world about whether they should have thrown in the towel and yada, yada, all these different things. You can go on about that too. But I think um, I, I, we've seen him fight since that fight. He has looked good. I don't think we've seen Dominic Reyes since the Yeri fight. I'm, I'm, I'm going strictly off memory here. I should have, like we talked about before the show, had some notes written down. But um, <laughs> it's... It's just like it's such an open-ended division now out of nowhere when it was a stalemate for, what, 11, 12 years with John Jones at the top there or however long he was dominating this this division. Uh, so it, it's how, how are these guys going to look? Now you have different incentives. They all have chips on their shoulder. Yeah, his last fight is versus uh, Yuri Prohaska. Prohaska? Is that it? Prohaska, right? I don't want to this up. Prohaska. Yuri Prohaska. Prohaska. Okay. Um, yeah. I, we haven't seen him fight since that, and that was a brutal KO, and not just a brutal knockout, but I mean, he took a ton of damage in that fight, and not just to the head, his body was right, ruined too. Right, and he is tough as nails. He's tough as they come because most guys would not have hung on there even that long. Uh, right, but we have to Tiago Santos with a knee injury, um, or both knees, I think, were damaged in the John Jones fight. I know one at right. least was significantly yep. compromised. Uh, so I guess it's Alexander Rakic, which is the most healthy of the top six here. Um, he's obviously got a good shot, as does Yari or Yuri. Um, and then I think it's Anthony Smith. I think he has the best shot. And right now, of guys that aren't uh, or, or that are currently scheduled to fight, I, I think that he has the best shot of this top six. Um, and that's I, I mean a lot of people are going to think that's a hot take, but and I'm not saying he's going to win this fight and then immediately fight for the title. I'm saying as far as going on a little run, can, you, you know what I'm saying? Like he could go on a little three-fight run here, ending in a title fight and secure the title. I think he can use this momentum and uh, 
bring home that title. I, I like him versus Jan Blachowicz. I also like Jan versus him. So I, I think it's a great fight if they can make that happen, um, regardless of the of uh, a title in the line. I think that's a fantastic fight just as a side. Yeah, I mean, out of the top six, I'd go with probably the easy pick. I think Gary Prohoshka is the easiest mm-hmm. road to the title. Right. Um, not just in terms of how many less fights he would have to uh, take before he got a title shot, but also just skill for skill. I feel like he'd probably be favored in a matchup against Anthony Smith, and he'd probably have better odds against Jan uh, than Anthony Smith would have against Jan. But uh, that being said, Anthony Smith is definitely not a bad pick out of the top six. I mean, he might be my number two, honestly, behind – or maybe he might be three behind Dominic Reyes. I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to be honest, I haven't given it that much of a thought. Alexander Rackage is also – a force to be reckoned with at 205. So, yeah, um, I, I can't really say for sure, but I, I think Yuri Prohaska probably be my number one out of the top six. But uh-huh. yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great fight either way. Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. Um, I wouldn't really be comfortable with Anthony getting a title shot after this because Spann's number 11 and yep. Anthony's fought two guys who were unranked before this. It was like, yeah, and you can't really justify getting a title shot off of that. However, if he does beat one of these guys in the top five, like Arias, like a Santos, Rakic, or Prohaska, it's the doors are wide open. Then, then you can start talking about okay, well now he's on a four fight win streak with two wins over ranked guys, one of them in the top fives. That's a good case for a title shot, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. But uh, until that happens, I can't justify uh, Anthony Smith getting a title shot. I mean, he's got to get past Ryan Span, which is a tough right. task too right. on Saturday. So we'll see. Right. Um, in other news here in the MMA UFC world community, whatever you want to call it, the um, Paulo, not Diego, Paulo Costa is confirmed versus Marvin Vittori for October 23rd. That is a free fight night. Um, that's exciting. Huge fight for the middleweight division. Uh, I think this is a fight that a lot of people have been waiting on for a long time. Uh, finally, we see Paulo Costa taking a fight getting excited, getting back in the ring. We'll see what he looks like coming off his loss to Adriana Sainz. I mean, with all due respect to Paulo Costa, dismantled. Um, right. Marvin Vittori, obviously, his loss also to Izzy uh, in his last fight. So we'll see how those two rank up. Um, the potential here for Marvin Vittori to really jump up a couple spots and get right back into that middleweight title contention. Um, this is a big fight for Paulo Costa. That's a huge fight for Paul Acosta. I mean, think about this, right? Before the Israel Asanya fight, Paul mm-hmm. Acosta was an undefeated middleweight contender ring, number one in the world, and yep. nobody wanted to fight him. It was like when Yoel Romero was in his prime back in the day and Bisping didn't want to fight him. It's It was just one of those things where Love it just Mike. seemed – Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, seems like, it seemed like one of those things where Paul Acosta was going to run through everybody 185 and then eventually get his hands on the title. Unfortunately for him – Israel Adesanya happened to be the guy holding that title. Right. And it was it was not a good matchup for him at all. Uh, he allegedly got wine drunk the night before. I mean, yeah. you can have your opinions on that either way. But, I mean, I personally am not an expert. Oh, are we right there? Oh, my goodness. Sorry, follow me. I don't hear what I was saying. Did, we just, did, did you fall over? Are we conscious? Yeah. I need you to call on star. Oh, my again. goodness. Life so alert. basic, basically, what I was, yeah, not on star, on star, what are we talking about? Fights, oh, uh, yeah, we're talking about UFC, yeah, okay. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like Paulo he hits as hard as anybody at 185. Um, yeah. he usually is able to walk everybody down, 
Uh, yeah. I mean, just look at everyone who he's fired at 185. Even he dropped Yo Romero. Who drops Yo Romero other than Robert Whitaker? And he hurt him back. Right. Too. Um, I think, honestly, the route to victory here from Martin Vittori would take Paulo down. The unfortunate part is that Paulo Costa is insanely shredded and very, very strong. Right. And I don't think that Martin Vittori is necessarily strong enough to be able to take down Paulo Costa. Um, maybe really? if you got him against the cage, but we saw against Israel Adesanya that, um, you know, Marvin Tori is more satisfied to just stay in certain clinch positions and hold control rather than actually advance to a more dominant position. So I feel like he might have a couple of minutes of control against the cage against Paul Costa and not feel the need to take him down, which yeah. will result in him being tired and then Paulo meeting him in the middle of the cage and bad things will happen for him from there. Um, if you're looking at this statistically, the cage is uh, small at the apex, and yeah. that should favor Paulo Costa because he's a pressure fighter yeah, I agree. who forces people against the cage and he unloads. So it's a good fight, John. What are your thoughts? I'm, well, first off, this is just something I've always wondered. I'm curious why the cage is so much smaller at the UFC apex. Center. I don't know why it is. It's, really, it's 25 feet answer, compared but... to 30. I mean, the was the, the significant fighter smaller. cage. Yeah, like. No one does that in pro sports other than like right. MLB. I know like some of the stadiums are smaller, but like was the ultimate fighter in the, in the old cage in the old building that they had, they had like the ultimate fighter gym. Was that a smaller cage? I don't it think it was. It seemed a smaller cage, but I don't know if it was much smaller. I don't think it was five feet smaller. Than, uh, I think it, it makes sense if you're doing stuff like ultimate fighter and contingencies, right. but like we're having like Paulo Costa and Vittoria fight like a number one competitor <laughs> right. about in a smaller cage than regulation. Like why is this a thing? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've always just wondered that. I'm sure there's an answer somewhere up there. I haven't looked that hard into it. Um, yeah. But just to comment on the fight, um, I agree with what you were saying about Marvin Vittori wanting to just kind of like clinch up and go to the cage and kind of hold out and wait for a shot or wait for maybe a good takedown position or opportunity or submission or something along the lines of that. I'm curious, though, if that's his actual fight style, what he likes to do, what he wants to do. Or if it was just the game plan versus uh, Izzy because he knew how much better Izzy was as a striker uh, on the feet. And he knew he, like, the way to beat Izzy, I guess, if there is a way to beat Izzy, is more than likely to try to close the distance uh, yep. as quick as you can and get in close, do some dirty boxing, some clinch work, maybe take him down. Uh, he hasn't really had his ground game tested too, too bad. I'd say maybe a little bit versus Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, it was probably his hardest test and it wasn't anything too terrible. Uh, but I, I like the way that I think I totally agree with you that this is going to favor Paul Acosta, the smaller cage, because he likes to go in. He likes to kind of, I don't want to say bull rush, but, you know, he likes to put the pressure on a lot. And then yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I don't think there's anyone who hits harder at 185 than he does. I'd say maybe Robert Whitaker uh, or Derek Brunson. But I, I think who comes to mind right away is Paul Acosta. Uh, and it's pretty evident by the way he looks and, you know, the, his fight style and stuff like that. Um, something about Paulo Costa, though, he's, I think he, he's just so, I don't want to say new or uh, maybe new is the word I'm looking for. He's so fresh into his UFC career. Uh, I don't even know how many fights. I don't think he has very many fights. He's only, what, 13 and one or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he's 13 and one. 13 and one. So he doesn't have that many fights. I'm, I'm curious if it's just a, a lack of experience, really, at the highest level that's holding him back um, or if he's just been getting away with this brutish brawling kind of style that really doesn't seem to work in the UFC anymore. We haven't seen it really work since 
I'd argue like the late Brock Lesnar years or Chuck Liddell. Uh, it's just such a technical sport now. And I don't think Paul Acosta is the most technical fighter. Um, I mean, it was working for him for a while. Uh, but then once you run into a super technical striker like Israel Asanya, right now there's just no way that he could possibly beat him in my mind. Uh, I said it when the fight got booked. I, I, right off the bat, I was like, this, Paul Acosta doesn't have a chance at this fight. I, I really don't think he has a, even a sliver of a chance. And then it ended up coming to fruition. Um, but I, I like his odds in this fight. He, yeah, he's only been fighting since 2017. So it looks like maybe three, four, five. He's only got six fights. I mean, this is yeah, six, six fights fight. in the UFC. So six UFC fights. You already have that um, title shot under your belt. Uh, the reason I think he got that title shot so quick is because this division is just so stale and there wasn't a lot going on with the division. So, And he did beat your Romero, to be fair. He did beat your Romero. You're man. absolutely right. He beat beat, uh, Uriah Hall before that as well. Yeah, Uh, so I'm not discrediting any of his wins. I think it's just a matter of he needs to advance his technical abilities in the octagon if he wants any shot at going and winning the title. Because right now he's just not technical enough and not um, careful enough, really, is what it is, to go and beat Israel Adesanya because you're going to get pieced up from distance. Granted, Israel Adesanya is one of the best talents um, in UFC history. I think he has a chance to also go down as one of the greatest in history um, if he's not already well on that path. Uh, I, I like Paulo Costa in this fight, though. I think Marvin Torrey has got – he's coming off an embarrassing loss to Israel Adesanya. Um, I, I think his morale is more than likely sort of low. This is a chance for him to get back on the horse. Or I think if Paulo Costa beats him, he's really in some trouble uh, as far as getting back to title contention anytime soon is concerned. Yeah, um, I, I think this is really interesting for Marvin Vittori because if you compare it to his last fight, right, with Izzy, yep. he had to prepare for that uh, kickboxing style that Izzy brings where he manages the range. And, he, and then Vittori's game plan, obviously, for that one, like you said, was get on the inside, make it a dirty boxing type of fight, yep. uh, close distance as quick as you can. Now he's facing up against Costa. It's the exact opposite. Costa is going to be the one coming forward, trying to close the distance as soon as possible. Whereas Marvin Torrey maybe has to try and back backpedal a little bit, get off the cage, uh, circle out, make sure you stay in the center of the octagon. It's interesting to me because for a long time he's had to he's had to prepare like this. He's also had the Kevin Holland fight before the Izzy fight. We had to fight a very similar way, um, and he was preparing for Darren Till as well, who fights a very similar style. So this is going to be a new breath of fresh air for Marvin Torrey when it comes to game planning. Um, and I'm excited to see if he can actually pull it off against this style because I, I know you said that Paulo's style is a little bit outdated, and I kind of agree with that. And I think he has to round out a little bit more. His defense certainly needs to be improved on the feet, but I don't. I think Marvin Vittori's style is the perfect kind of style for a guy like Paulo to shine. I really do. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think Costa could get the finish. Um, yeah. But the one the one X factor I have written down here is that Paul Costa's cardio is not the greatest. No. Um, he's had cardio concerns before in three round fights. We've never seen him enter a fourth round. Uh, we just saw Vittori do that with Izzy and he did all right. Um, I mean, he didn't really do extremely well in the later rounds. I don't believe he won either of the fourth or fifth round, but he didn't look extremely tired out there. So I think that bodes well for Vittori. Uh, if you're an Italian fan, um, hoping he can get this one. Right. 
Uh, let's. I'm, I'm gonna flip flop real quick on these next two creden- or credentials. The next two things we have written down, just because I want to end on the third thing. Um, real quick, we'll talk about. I guess since this is kind of a layback chill episode, uh, this whole McGregor versus Machine Gun Kelly thing that happened over the weekend at the VMAs. Uh, one, I don't know why Connor's at the VMAs. Two, I don't know why he's starting fights with. What is MGK? Rockstar at this point? He's no longer thing? a rapper. He doesn't yeah, do I don't rap know. anymore. I don't so know I'm what not, he is. So. I, I think he does rock, so he's a rock star, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, so from what I was... I, I, fuck, I, I want to go back and try to find the tweet. I couldn't find it earlier. I don't remember if it was a verified account that tweeted it or something. Something along the lines of Connor asked for a picture with MGK. MGK said no, and then Connor kind of just went crazy. Uh I feel like it could be one of two things. Um, someone actually I was talking to about this earlier. They thought that maybe uh, Connor asked for a picture with Megan Fox since he brought up Megan Fox after in that little interview with that lady. I don't know who the fuck that lady was, but uh, maybe he asked for a picture with her and MGK was like, get the fuck out of here. Or it was something like, hey, I'm Which, Connor by the Gregor. way, is like hilarious because like MGK would kind of have to say get out of here because that's my right. girl. But it's like, He's saying it to like a legit UFC fighter. Right. It's just like, sorry, go ahead though. Or, or I think it's one of the other things where it's like, Connor was just kind of like, I'm Connor. No one's going to say no to me. Hey, can I get a picture? And MGK is like, I'm a big rock star at a musical award show. I'm kind of busy right now. I, I don't know if I can take a picture right now. And then Connor was just kind of like, what the fuck? What do you mean? And then it kind of went from there. Uh, yeah, throwing drinks at him. Um, doing some sort of interview after. Uh, I still don't know why he was there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but it was just kind of like an odd. Like, I, I remember seeing the headline and just being like, huh, all right. Like, and just been like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, I guess. Did you notice what Connor was wearing, by the way? I, I was pink. I don't know. It was just a bright pink jacket, which yeah. is like the most ironic possible thing you could wear because in the press conference, to the UFC 264 fight. Do you remember the pink suit guy? No. You don't remember this guy? Or which, which one he was, was it? An e- All right, so he's in, his name is... Uh, oh, God, I forget his name. Maybe I don't uh, remember. Oh, was he the one who was talking shit to Connor or something like that? Basically, he was like, yeah, okay, won a fight since Obama was in office. So Yeah, okay. I, didn't, I guess like, I don't remember him wearing a pink suit. But yeah, but he was he basically wearing the same exact thing as Connor, which is just like weird. Um, yeah. But anyways... Um, I have the right story. I have the official story. Oh, you do? All right. Breaking I'm, news. I'm proud. To, I'm, no, this is not breaking news. I do not have <laughs> this from a source. I have it from Twitter. Um, basically, what Good happened enough. was... But it's actually... No, it's from some MMA outlets. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's legit. Yeah. It's legit. Right. So what happened was... You're, you're not going to believe this. I bet I will. But Conor McGregor may or may not have had a dm exchange with somebody's uh significant other you're kidding me call him you surprised right so he I, yeah strike a, me dead allegedly connor sent a dm to megan fox i don't even know what it was it wasn't even specified if it was like flirtatious or anything like he like you have to like remember like megan fox was in those transformer movies and like she was like in her early 20s like, she was when peak Con- megan fox like when connor was like around the same age like she was the megan foxiest she's ever been yeah to people of connor's age like megan fox is like the woman right yeah right yeah 
So, and, and she's been to a couple of fights before. She was at the Habib fight and then the most recent Dustin Poirier fight in Las Vegas. Yep. So, and, she, and he knows this. Like, he knows that, like, she's, she's like a fight fan. Connor, father of three, married. Or I don't know if he's married. <laughs> That's, they got engaged. I don't know if they actually right. got engaged married. Engaged father of three. Keep that in mind. Anyways. <laughs> so, I don't know what he says or if he's just like, hey, thanks for the support, blah, blah, blah. Right. But um, in, important to note. MGK and Megan Fox. Do you know who they were rooting for at that fight? I want to go Dustin Poirier. Uh, Dustin Poirier. So, uh, so what happens is at the VMAs, which Connor is there for quite literally no reason. I don't know why Connor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying. Uh, so, oh, you know what? Someone told me he was there for Justin Bieber because I guess him and Justin Bieber have been kind of like boys recently. Yeah, they like have fairly close. They so. have, but like he flew across the country. Which is weird because, like, but what I thought was weird is the next night was the Met Gala, and that's always kind of like more so been his thing, like fashion. So maybe he was in town for the Met Gala or something. Did he even go? But he didn't go. No, he didn't go to that. Maybe they they were like, hey, I don't know, whipping drinks around the fucking Met Gala. This fucking, I mean, either way, this is is like celebrity worship. I don't care what Conor McGregor had for breakfast, but yeah, yeah, um, that's just fun uh, to talk about. Eventually, I will get to the story, though, by the way. So, okay. apparently, Connor goes up to Megan Fox yep. and asks her for a picture, not MGK. Because, right. okay. like you said, Megan Fox so. is a big deal to Connor, right? Right. Um, either she's – one of three things happened. She either said, no, I do not have time. Two, MGK said no for her and pushed him out of the way. Or MGK slash – Megan Fox's security said no for them and pushed Connor out of the way. Either way, Connor got pushed by somebody in that group and that did not sit well with them. MGK had something to say because that's his girlfriend. And right. So they, they had a little verbal spat. Connor threw a punch. That was um, a dude. Just, I'm sorry to cut you off again. One of the best, like the best pictures I've ever seen. Honestly, of Connor just it. throwing the punch. It's nowhere near MGK and MGK just looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, that's not the impression I got was that MGK was like, I am so high right now. I do not yeah. know if I <laughs> yeah. trying to fight me. Yeah, yeah. I had to give just MGK like, was saying it's like, that's not real, right? I'm right, yeah. This is okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then after they get separated, and it seems like the, the situation has been de escalated, Connor throws a drink at him, yeah. like through a crowd of like 20 people. Yeah. And then. You know, he does interviews like, I don't even know who the white rapper is, which is hilarious because Connor, you are also a white man. I, right. I hate to break it to you, son, but you can't use it as an insult. Also, not a lot of famous white rappers out there. So it's true, but not a lot either, here, either here nor there. I'm just not really right. a rapper, anyways, but or whatever he is. But yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> if you want my take, I think it's just dumb. Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, very was Connor. there a better was there a better solution? Rather than pushing Connor out of the way, most definitely there is right. definitely a better solution. Does that mean that he can then start an altercation like that? No. Does it? I, at the end of the day, though, does it matter at all? No. No. Like not even a little bit. Like they didn't even kick him out of the award show for it. I was gonna say, yeah, I, was, I, was like, I don't think he was even asked to leave. So no, he he was on stage after this. Like he presented an award, I think, for Bieber. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. The the VMAs are just like. It seems like something always happens there. Yeah. It's just like the it's it's the perfect storm for somebody like Connor to, to do something and get headlines for negative PR. That's what I think. I mean, yeah, I think not not saying that like he's like not at fault because he definitely is, but like you know, 
it, it just kind of like I, I put Khan in that same category as like Kanye West, where it's just like when they're in public, you're kind of like waiting for the bomb to go off. You're like, what right. are they about to do? I so. think he's like viewed now before it was like Connor was polarizing and exciting and like people want to be around him. I think now he's viewed as more like this guy might be hostile, like for pretty much no reason. So, you know what it, you know reminds me of? If we can. It's the same Mike Tyson career arc. It's, right. It had an extremely is. successful career, be regarded as one of the best game, millions and millions of fans, sell a bunch of favorite views. And then in, towards the end of your career, when you're not winning as much, but you're still very, very popular, you're a danger to people in public. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> and people, you're and a legit people, threat to society. <laughs> and people kind of love it though. That's the thing right. is that people love the crazy man. People I think people love, like him, but I think less people want to be like around him. Right, because people are like it's it's kind of like a thrill out of it almost. You know, right. um, you know what what I've, what's always it's like when you see like it's, I think it's like when you see like you go to like a show at a circus and you're like that lion could definitely kill that guy like at any point. But like I kind of want to watch it walk around. Yeah, you're like I hope like, it doesn't, but I'm gonna keep so watching cool just to in see. case. But yeah. like at any point, this could go horrifically wrong, like <laughs> like really really bad. <laughs> Just don't tell a line you uh, don't want to take a picture right now. I think that yeah. would happen at the VMAs was the equivalent of like the line kind of not doing what it was supposed to, and everyone can kind of sense like ah something's off here, and then it kind of like snaps, and then everyone's like oh, and they start spraying it, and like oh. it really happens, but like <laughs> like it almost got out of hand really bad, like real quick. I think it like the equivalent would have been like if you just blast an MGK, like that would have been the same as like the lion just biting a trainer's head off, like it. it yeah, and and honestly, if if you want to like just even like go back to comparing to Mike Tyson, have you ever yeah. heard Jamie Fox talk about uh like that era <coughs> of Mike me. Tyson? I've not. And why like he was like he was like he had a bunch of girls over his house. They're getting ready to go to a Mike Tyson fight, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I've seen this girl get ready like in half an hour or an hour tops." And when Mike Tyson fights, they always take three to four hours. Right. And he's like, "Why? Why are you guys taking so long to get ready? Like, why do you care what you look like, Paul? We're going to fight." And then they were like, it's Tyson, it's Tyson. He says, why do you guys like Tyson so much? He's not even that pretty. And then they said, Jamie, there's just something about a man in the world who can beat up anybody and no one can do shit right. about it. That's true. <laughs> like, that's the guy's untouchable. Like, that's if you think about right. it, he really is. And the crazier that Mike Tyson got, the more intrigue there was. And that's kind of where I feel like Connor's career is at this point. Because think about it, like the, from the bus incident since – He's been a totally different person, very, yeah. way more sporadic, way more unpredictable, and way more headlines have come because of it. So I think that's kind of uh, what's happening now. I think but, he started uh, – go ahead, finish your point. No, you go right ahead. You go well, ahead. I think he started dipping more into um, some extracurricular activities right around the computer play. And it has since, you know, because, I don't know. I'm not going mean, to – I mean, maybe. Alleged, I mean, you, maybe. You got to use the A word. Yeah, this is all alleged. Okay. So I want to know, personally, because you brought this up earlier. Do you think Machine Gun Kelly in a tag team match with (laughs) Megan Fox? First of all, I think if it's like, if it's them two versus Connor and D Devlin, I think it's a wash. I think Connor and D take them out pretty easily. But Connor versus MGK and Megan Fox, how's it happen? I think. Megan would just like say something disrespectful to distract him, and then maybe MGK would have a shot of like going for a choke or something like that. He's pretty long and lanky, and like I, I don't know if you can maybe like get a hold of him, and then Megan can try to do something from like the side or something along the lines of that. I think it would have to start with some sort of blow to the ego, though, before any sort of blow to the actual body. 
Oh, he's got to like hurt Connor's feelings first. Yeah, I think he. What's he gonna do? What's he gonna say? Some sort of like tweet or like something along the lines of that, and then while Connor's responding on Twitter, they just like slap the phone out of his hand and then fucking take him down or something. Something like that, I think. Oh, so it was more about distraction more than provoking, right? Right, but I think Connor would take a fight versus Megan Fox as seriously as he would like a fight versus Dustin Poirier. <laughs> Like there wouldn't be a smirk or a smile on his face. He'd have that stoic, like Connor, like frown look right before like the fight starting. When he's like sizing up, could be or definitely Dustin, ready like, to go. He's in the karate stance <laughs> with like the frown kind of on his face, just waiting for his shot. And I think he oh would. I think he would knock her out and then just celebrate in the city. Like, I'm you just, know, I'm just like picturing like Megan Fox standing across the octagon, like looking completely clueless, and then Connor's like as serious as he's ever been. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, it's so stupid. I'm but... picturing one of those weird. Like, you ever seen the edited videos where they edit Connor punching people into shit, where like they get knocked over? Oh by my god, those like, my I'm, favorite videos. I'm those just picturing so that. Funny. Like, so if Megan Fox ever like trips or something in an award show, that's 100 percent going to be the video you see come out first <laughs> like edits with connor in there yeah i don't know <laughs> i i think i i think it doesn't go well for them if we're being honest like if connor runs into megan fox and mgk on the street like i think what happens is like megan runs away for a second and then mgk is like oh i have to stand here i can't i just like, cannot choose to run away like and then he just gets washed i mean i also think he would just cuss out megan fox if he like saw her somewhere no i feel like he would he's the type of guy who would like to further piss off MGK would be a dickhead to MGK. But then, like, when Megan's there, he'd be like, oh, hi, Megan, how are you? And then, right. like, give, M- give MGK a look after that. Right, right. I don't know. I think that that's, that's more so what he would do, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, great talk to be had. Yeah, I mean, hey, this is no fights this weekend. This is what we got to do. This is what Jake Paul has done in the combat sports world. Oh, we'll get to him. Um, so, real quick now, we want to talk about, before we get to questions, um, we had someone ask, or maybe, yeah, a couple people have asked, they want to get your perspective of what it is like to be credentialed for a UFC pay-per-view event. Um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take us through the process as much as you can, whatever you're allowed to say of how it works, how it came to be. Um, and then like the actual lead up to the fight. And then we'll go from there. Lead up to getting like to the stadium. Oh man, it's so boring. Um, All right. Oh wait, someone else. Hello. Oh my god. What do you? Oh wait. There's invasion. Hold on. Just give me one second. Pause it. Pause it. All right, we're gonna pause here, and we will be right back. So in the clinch. All right, we are back. More in the clinch. Do you have to take care of some? What is that? A home invasion or something? What's going on there? Man, you know, when you get credentialed for a UFC event, you will find people just start banging on the door. Women particularly cannot Women. leave me alone, especially. Oh. It's the it's so annoying. It's like I just want to watch fights, dude. Leave me alone. Right. Uh, so what was your question? Um, yeah. So <laughs> my my question was uh, like I think people want to know. Okay, so first off, it's like for those people like obviously I have known you for a while now. Uh, we've had the podcast going for a while now. This was not news to me that you were going to these events. Uh, obviously, I had to keep it under wraps and shit like that but like i think the big thing was when people saw you asking the question to dustin poirier and getting one of the bigger um one of the bigger most viewed clips of that entire press conference of the dustin versus connor three 
where Connor or Dustin talks shit to Connor, tells him to break his sleep, all that thing. If you yeah. haven't seen it by now, I don't know. You're clearly not an MMA fan. Um, and I think when that hit Twitter, people were like, there were so many people that were like, what the fuck? Is that Theo Lander? Like, and like, yeah. this isn't news to me, obviously. I knew. Yeah. But to see that reaction was just funny. And I think, uh, so how did this like come to be? I think maybe if you, if you can tell that story, even if it's quick, how did it come to be? How did you just end up at a UFC event asking Dustin Poirier questions? Well, I ended up at a UFC event asking Connor a question first, and it turned out that Dustin just took right. the mic from him and just, you know, that was first of all that Which whole is even thing, crazier. That whole thing is just like banana lands to me that that even yeah. happened. Yeah. Like the fact that, like, what are the odds? Like, I could have just gone up and like had another question that like they like give like a nothing answer to, and then like right. you know I just get lost in the in the in the crowd yeah, talk like about a bunch the, of uh, questions talk about the adversity of fighting yeah dude like what's what's the hardest part about being a fighter dude right you know like you know so so it was pretty cool that, that like it just happened the way that right. did. a lot of it is luck if, if i'm being completely honest but how did i get there yes um via plane an uncomfortable plane ride as it always is but okay. i started working for severe mma which is ireland's largest mma media outlet you know, and I'll, I've explained this Not a, a lot. I explain this a lot, and it's very confusing to <laughs> what a what a media outlet is, which I didn't think would be a tough thing in 2021. So, uh, ESPN, CBS, Fox, uh, Mac Life, Barstool Sports, MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting. These yeah. are all media outlets. People who go to sporting events and they cover things. It's like that, basically. Like if you have a blog, that you're a media outlet, stuff like that. So Severe MMA is the largest MMA outlet in Ireland. Um, yeah. They started out right around when Connor uh, started to break through into the mainstream. Like yep. when, when Connor was like in Cage Warriors, you, uh, Severe MMA was just starting up. And my boss um, has known Connor for years and years, like even before he was fighting. And my boss is currently uh, not only the head of Severe MMA, but he's also on Connor's production team for his documentary. Um, I just looked for it the other day. It's not on Netflix anymore, but the Connor uh, documentary, the Notorious, Notorious documentary. Yeah. yeah, that was produced uh, believe, in part by my boss. It's on. I think you can get it on YouTube still. I think you have to pay like $2 or something, but yeah. Yeah, so go ahead and pay my boss some money. Um, it's a great documentary. Yeah. It actually is a great documentary. Very I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's really good. He shot yeah. really well. Really but well um, I started working for them uh, a while ago. I started just doing like brand deals for them. <coughs> Basically, what I did was I just reached out to every single media outlet, like the ones we just named. I reached out to every single one in the industry that I could think of, that I could find, that I could search. Yep. Like almost like nearly like 100 people just to, like to try and like get my foot in the door. I was telling you before we recorded that the first person I've ever reached out to was like Tony Ferguson. Yep. Just because he had his email in his bio, and I was like, that could be something, but I never yep. got an answer from Tony, so that's all right. I well, look when that got him. Hey, you know, hey, <laughs> listen. So, um, and then eventually in April, at UFC 261 in Jacksonville, I kind of was just like in a weird mood, and I was like, you know what? Like, I know that like they can't go because usually they're the ones who would go to an event. Um, yeah. Right. But because of the COVID, uh, the travel ban in Ireland, they were not able to go to anything. And I was telling them, I was like, because I know I'm the only one who works for them that is based in the United States. So yeah. I said, like, you know, if you like want me to, like, I can go to this event, like no problem. And then I can like cover for you because I know that they've been credentialed for things before. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, like, we'll see if the UFC, like, allows you in, blah, 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 because I've never been before, so it's hard to get your credential kept for the first time. Yep. Um, I got to be careful what I say, because I know there's NDAs, yeah. but I don't, I don't exactly remember what they said. So yes. I mean, you can be as vague as you care. want. You know, it's all right. Basically, what happened was I got accepted for a credential. Yep. Um, and then in, in April, I went to 261, which was like the craziest like thing I've ever seen in my life. It was yeah. I've never been to a UFC like even as a fan before. So oh, it's, a, it's my, incredible. My first UFC, I was at the first event since COVID that had full capacity indoors with no mask requirement. And I was literally on the side of the cage uh it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy we had the the leg break usman knocked out masvidal yep. rose beat uh zhang wei lee but even before then like all the fights before were crazy yeah um, nothing even like parallels the ufc yeah oh my god dude in person it's crazy <clears throat> this is also the same one that jake paul went to when everyone yep. just kept chanting his name so that was a little bit obnoxious but that's all right um <laughs> And then in Vegas, I, 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 as soon as I got back, I was like, I need to do that again. Um, so I found out when Connor was fighting because I know that Severe and May is usually going to cover the Irish fighters. So Connor for them is a big deal, um, especially with all the history that I laid out previously. But right. so, yeah, basically when Connor fights it, they up all the coverage, like all their numbers get boosted, like yep. more views, yep. more everything. So it, it was a big deal for me to be out there for them. And so basically people like ask me like what I do. Cause they see that I go for the whole week. Um, basically Wednesday is media day. So that's like everybody other than like the main event. And maybe if it's like a couple title fights and it's like everyone, but the champions um, will come through in the last questions to a panel. Uh, and then Thursday is the day of the fan press conference, which is where the infamous McGregor sleep clip came from. Yep. Uh, those are always super fun. I love those. Yeah, but that the, looks awesome. The weird, the weird thing is, if you want to, <clears throat> if you want to get a little behind the scenes, oh, yeah. at at media day, right? So we'll all sit in a big room, and then like at the front of the room was just a table with the UFC thing behind it, right? And then that's where they ask the questions. But we all sit in tables just in front of them behind cameras. Yeah. If I ever had like ten or twenty questions to ask one fighter, I could do that at media day. Um, and I would be like almost guaranteed to get every single question that I wanted because like they'll stay there. They'll wait for you. It's very more like personal experience. Yeah. yeah However, yeah. at these big press conferences with the fans, it's very, very um, like open format. Like there's no, like they, they don't like run around to you and ask you like, if you have first a question. Come, or not. First serve, kind of. Yeah, no, literally like, and you'll see, like if you watch the, um, the press conference from July with Connor and Dustin, like you'll see like all of us in the middle on the floor run to the side to try and get to the the mic because literally it's like right. if you don't get to the mic soon enough, like you won't get to ask a question. And, and that's what happened to me in Jacksonville. I was gonna ask Jorge and Usman some questions for that press conference, but I did not have the wherewithal to know that you have to get there first. Right. And you're obviously gonna have guys too, like um I'm trying to remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Who's the bigger oh. guy who does uh questions? Oh, John Morgan. John Morgan, you're gonna have John, John Morgan, Morgan ask the question first every single time right. i've been to two now and i have no idea why i still uh, have no clue i mean he's a great journalist and everything right but like yeah. nobody even like says anything beforehand we like everyone just lets john go first yeah because he's just such a like uh what's he's put the time and he's just such a great journalist unbiased and stuff like that 
No, I think he's great. I, yeah, I love John. He's he's, yeah. he's a great guy. Whenever I've had to work with him, he's he's been super great. Um, all those guys in the room have they've they've been right. amazing. But um, yeah, it, it's honestly, dude, it, it's a lot of work. This is what I always tell people: it's a lot of work because people see you go to these events, and they just think that you could sit and watch the fights. And right, you're people, not there for it, no reason. No, man, it's a, it's a lot of work, especially this last one in Vegas. I was busting my ass, but yeah. it's it'll it'll never ever feel like work because it's always it's always right. something interesting. It's so, so cool. Guys like John, guys like the Schmo, like stuff like that. Big giant. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't even know what the word. Like, I don't want to say pages, but like journalists and heads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but. Uh, you also see sometimes like the fans and stuff. So I guess you're just mixed in with those guys. Like whoever can get the mic first. Oh yeah. 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 Um, you know, but, but with the big press, press conferences, it's not like the fans can ask questions though. Right. It's just, it's just the credential media, but so I will say, go ahead, go ahead. Um, no, you go ahead first. I apologize. No, no, go. I, I have some totally unrelated. So. Okay. I will say the one time that I did actually feel like I was credentialed because the whole time I have like uh, imposter syndrome. Cause I'm like, dude, like I, right. I don't feel like very qualified for this, but at the end of the day, I did what I was supposed to do. I did a pretty good job of it. But the one time that I felt like, like I was super important was when um, at two sixty four in Las Vegas, Sean O'Malley just beat Chris Moutinho. Right. And I'm in, in Las Vegas, not like it was in Jacksonville where I was on the cage. It's the complete opposite in Las Vegas. We're on this thing called press row. It's basically like above the bleachers, right? It's like yeah. the highest. It's like if you think of like where the TD Garden looks like, it's like where the box seats are, right? Yep. It's it's that upper level. Um, so I remembered my boss texted me because I was asking him. I was like, they told me that I could record anything I wanted other than the fights. So I asked him if he wanted me to get McGregor's walkout because I know that's a big thing for them. Um, and he just got back to me in that moment and said, yes, if you want, go ahead, but we don't need it necessarily. So I got that text right as O'Malley's fight ended. So I was like, shit, like my stuff's in the media tent, which is, by the way, the media tent for Vegas, when they have an extra amount of media, when it's a huge fight, they'll have like a media tent out back instead of doing it like in the hallways in the back of the T-Mobile arena because they need more space. But it's yep. outside of the arena and it's hot. And I'm also <laughs> like on the opposite side of the arena all the way at the top. So I have to run, right? You will never in your life, John, feel more important than running through the concourse of a major building, like an arena, with a full suit, a credential flapping around you, and right. holding like a tripod as fans. Like, literally, like, is that guy important? Like, like you're the FBI. Guy? Yeah, literally. That's what I felt. I felt like I was in like a like Mission Impossible movie, right. I'm, like running through the T-Mobile arena. Like, I gotta record the fight. But <laughs> it was, it, it's crazy, dude. It, it's so much fun. I love every second of it. Um, the travel is kind of tough sometimes, but you know, you, you can learn to deal with that when you get to do a job like this. So it's pretty good. All right. So now I have two questions for you. I think the answer okay. to be notable. Okay. Yeah, wait, wait before the, you ask these questions, is this going to negatively affect my career when someone finds this in a few years? No. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> what, what are the odds we could get you in an in the clinch shirt if you get into the next press conference on TV? On a scale of like, like one could you to 10, wear it? Or would you get in trouble? On a scale of like one to ten, it would be like negative ten. It was, it would not, it would right. not. My my dad is we'll funny asked, my dad asked me the same thing. Um, he had like a little sticker that he wanted me to put on my laptop because he thought I was going to be on the cage. Yeah, for like, like first company, I'm like, no, like they won't. I I haven't even I haven't even asked them about this, but I I can already just tell it's a no. 
that they they okay. would not like it if you got free advertising on uh, one of their shows. <laughs> and then hey, what if you said, "Hey, um, Dio, Severo, May in the Clinch podcast"? Uh, just a quick question: Would they get? Would, would you get in trouble for that? That's a good question because I've thought about this a lot because I used to see a bunch of people doing that. So I was like, "Oh, like when I go, like if I say Theo Lander, Severo, May." People will know it's me talking because usually right. they don't have the camera on you. So they don't really know which one it's your turn unless they can really pick out your voice. Yeah. But like, I've only seen one person ever give like an intro like that. And it was Robbie Fox of Barstool right. uh, in, in Vegas. And like the whole time I was like, I was like, it's not a big deal that he did that. Uh, but I just personally wouldn't because no one else here is doing it. And I was trying to, look as much of like as the part that as i could you know it was right, like so I, okay. I didn't want to i didn't want to seem like as much of a rookie as i really was but um yeah no that that one also is a negative 10 i'm sorry yeah it's so not maybe personal. next time just do it uh so next question. you know what the solution is is getting a face tat because then they can't Yo, they can't tell me to cover it up face tat off. i mean we'll get the I logo mean, right on your forehead what are they gonna slap a zufa logo over it i don't think so i think they might uh so next question <laughs> Next question, what is it like in the back um, or like, are you ever in an area where it's like, you know how like they show like, uh, for instance, there was that famous video of Francis like staring down. Uh, who was it? Who did he fight when he was just staring? At the, was it Rosenstrike as he was walking out and it was just Francis oh, yeah. there staring at him? Like, <laughs> are you ever in areas like that where it's like, do you see guys walking around or is it very controlled where they're like, go here, go here, do not go here, do not go here? Fight night is very, very controlled, especially yeah. with a, a big like McGregor event like in Vegas. It was crazy. Um, basically, what uh, I got to be careful here. Oh, hold on. Well, yeah, um, if you can't answer, no. There's definitely some parts that you can't go. Like I, I don't. Yeah. My credential doesn't get me to like a fighter's locker room. Like Sean is never gonna like walk by you somewhere. No, he, he has actually, but like, um, on specifically on fight night. It's very kept. The media is very kept separate from like the celebrities and the athletes. And like, okay. it's although you all three groups are technically backstage, they're all in different spots. Gotcha. Like there can be some crossover, but like there's no shot in hell that I'm ever just like walking down a random hallway, like without <laughs> someone from UFC, like tackling me. Like it's just <laughs> not possible. I was trying to get back to the press tent. Like I was, like, remember the press tent I was telling you about how it's right, very awkwardly right. set up and I didn't know where I was going. So I tried walking down this hallway and they legit like were screaming at me. I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I swear to God, I'm not trying to like sneak a peek or anything. Like I'm just, you know, it's." But there are times to get back to your question. Um, Sean O'Malley specifically. Um, when I was in Vegas at the Apex, I saw a bunch of guys. Like I ran into Michael Bisping. O'Malley was there. Um, and just a bunch of guys. And then, like usually, you'll, you'll see guys at the Wayans. Like at the Wayans for April. And Francis Ngannou, Usman, and Moss are all like, all walked right by me. Like I never really like talked to any of these guys really because I don't yeah. know them. That's but, so um, pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I mean, I just me and Francis just had like a quick like hello, but like that was really it. But yeah, these it, it's interesting. What always like amazes me is how everyone's much smaller than I thought they would be. Like right. I know I know in my head that Conor McGregor is five nine, but when I had to stand up to record him to get weighed in specifically in, in Las Vegas, I was like, damn, he's kind of small. Like right. he's I, I think I might be taller than him. Now, to be fair, I'm five nine and three quarters. Mm. So no, I mean I'm like, three quarters, 
that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's the difference between like six five and five eleven. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, somewhere around there. So you know, but to be fair though, I thought Masvidal was really small too. But I saw him on the day of weigh-ins, so it's not really that fair. Right. But I cannot believe that Kamar Usman makes one seventy. Like yeah. no shot. Yeah, it blows my mind. That guy, think, his uh... back is huge yeah his I, back is huge i think francis just like saying hello to me would knock me unconscious i was a little wobbly i'm not gonna lie i was <laughs> a lot on my feet but I would he's, expect Joe Rogan he's the only guy over I, my shoulder yeah he's the only guy i saw and i was like you're actually way bigger than i thought and francis <laughs> is massive dude the size of his hand next to my head is like goofy it looks so weird but he's <laughs> he's a big boy well, that's, I mean, hey, that's an interesting look into the uh, life of a UFC media member. Uh, as we wrap up the episode here, we'll get to questions. Uh, first question here is, where is Tony Ferguson? Where in the world is Tony Ferguson? Um, that is an excellent question because who the fuck knows? The UFC can't get a hold of him right now. That's the thing is um, Dan Hooker was saying on Submission Radio that uh, the UFC can't get in touch with them. They won't answer any calls from the UFC. Uh, and really, like, no one's heard anything. We were just going over it before we started that he had a, a tweet, which was in typical Tony fashion. So it seems like everything's normal over there. But I don't know what is going on with Tony Ferguson. I think he does need to take a lot of time off, realistically, if you look at the nature of his last couple fights. Yeah. He's most definitely digressed. You can't deny it. Don't say. Um, and you definitely do not need more time in the cage right now, Tony. You need more time no. in the gym. You need more time resting. And you probably need to get that knee looked at more yeah, than anything. I agree. Because I, I still think that knee is messed up and he has never moved the same since. But like, what's like a realistic timeline for Tony? Like, he just fought in August. So maybe at the earliest December, but probably first quarter I, of 2022. Yeah, I would hope late first quarter of 2022. Yeah. I, I would say probably something sake. like that. I would say he probably returns in the summer, which is convenient because a certain Irishman returns probably next summer too, which we both agree would be a great matchup. But oh, who's that? Regard what? Who, who's that? Some guy who like doesn't like MGK or something. I don't okay. know. But but I don't know. I, I guess really like what I'm focusing on for Tony right now is just like not even who his next opponent should be or where he should line up in these rankings. I just want this guy to get better, man. I'm just yeah, for this guy to get better. Not necessarily like for him to win his next fight or anything like that, but I don't want Tony to keep going down this path. It does. It gets ugly towards the end. We've seen it many times. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know much to add to that. I think you kind of just hit it on the head. Um, next Nailed question it. we have the last. <laughs> Nailed it. The last question we have here to wrap up the show: <laughs> Who is the next and most realistic fighter that would make sense to fight Jake Paul uh, from the UFC? Um, or who would be, I should say, because obviously this isn't guaranteed. Uh, I so think this, this, is a, is a, this is a combination question. Yeah, this is a who good is question. most likely to, and also Who's, who gives it the most even matchup. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think the biggest problem with that is that Dana White and the boxing world don't exactly get along, besides Connor and uh, Floyd. Say at um, least. That's kind of its own anomaly there. Uh, so I think the biggest issue with that would be a contractual thing of who, if you're contracted under the UFC, um, I cannot imagine that Dana White would sign the okay to send one of his fighters into a boxing match, especially a high level guy, a champion guy. 
maybe someone lower ranking who's not really in the race anywhere or like a big name. Um, so I think who would I like to see next? Um, besides Connor, we've talked about that. I think Jorge Masvidal would be exciting. Like That's the one that. name everyone's talking about today, yeah. Um, but as far as guys who aren't in the UFC, maybe were in the UFC, um, I know he already Jake already said that he would lose to Anderson Silva. He would never fight Anderson Silva. Uh, just out of respect, he's like, he's too good. Uh, I would get my ass kicked. Uh, maybe. I, I don't even – yeah, maybe. Um, probably more than likely. Probably, So I don't yeah. see that happening. Um, my guess – I'm I'm trying to think of guys that like that have been cut that aren't in another promotion already or aren't uh, don't have any affiliation with the UFC anymore and no one's jumping to the front of my head right now. Um, maybe like I don't know, fucking Paul Felder or something. Like I honestly have no idea. Like. Um, because I know he's obviously a commentator, but I mean, I feel like he could fight if he wanted to. I don't think that fight makes much sense because like a lot of people don't know who that is. Uh, I think he would do okay in it, but like, I don't think they would sign off on that because like I don't think he's a big name, a big enough name. I think maybe a Tyron rematch is probably the most likely. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd have to take some time and really think about that. Like... I was trying to think about it throughout the episode and trying to also stay on topic, but I, I, I'm trying, I don't know. No one jump. no one comes to mind right away. I've thought about it and I have come up with the perfect opponent for Jake Paul next. Oh, well, here we go. And I think the Showtime should hire me no? because I've, I've really got a grasp on this. I feel really good about this pick. Okay. Think about it. So it's almost too obvious, right? Jake Paul is not a real fighter. Okay. Right. Jake Paul is more of a showman. Right. Running on Showtime. Ryan he needs Hall. to fight somebody. What are the major uh, critiques, right? It's he's not fighting real boxers. Yep. He's not fighting guys who are at a high level right now. He's fighting retired guys. It's true. Yep. He's not fighting guys that are his size either. Okay? All three of those things. We can knock off with one guy if he faces him. And if I'm being honest, this is a combination of a winnable fight-ish. But also, if we're really focusing on the show here, yeah. this guy's going to put on a better show than anybody else in oh, this range of I'm, skill. I mean, the tension is palpable. From the 185 division, number 14th ranked, Kevin Holland will take on Jake oh, Hall. Oh, Kevin Holland. And they will have, and they will have a crazy buildup. And their fight will be so good because I think that, honestly, Kevin, um, Kevin Holland's hands are a little bit overrated. A little bit. Okay. I, think he's, I think he's still a little bit green in there, but I think his kicks more so do him a lot of favors in the stand-up more than his hands do. That's that's all I'm saying by that. But okay. I think that Kevin Holland also has been very complimentary recently to the UFC about their pay, which is, if you've been paying attention recently, they have been getting a lot of flack for. I oh, think Dana would appreciate that and say, oh, all these fighters are talking about fighter pay and how bad it is, and they all want to fight Jake Paul. I'm not going to do it. You know who I will let do it? The one guy who's had my back in the media, Kevin Holland. Mm. You get to have your payday. It's too perfect. The UFC would love it. Jake Paul would love it. Kevin Holland would love it. Showtime. You're welcome. You know who actually jumps to mind, too? Who? Uriah Hall. I thought about that, too. I really did think about that. 
But if you're going for the show, Kevin Holland's the you show. You think Kevin Holland? I'm, I'm I, think just, Kevin, I think the biggest thing is that like he's not a huge name. Like I think that's a massive part of this. I don't think that the name really matters as much. Because I think it does. In, I think it's a Showtime fight. Like I'm, I mean, obviously the, the name is Showtime, but I think it's like a it's more of a spectacle than it is the actual about the fight. It is, and that's why if we don't really know who Kevin Holland is, really, we the the casual fans who are Jake Paul boxing fans. I know that there's a few out there. Yeah. They they will learn who Kevin Holland is, and they will appreciate him the same way they didn't really know who Ben Askren was. But people loved Ben Askren's trash talk in the press conferences. They loved his attitude, everything about that leading up to the fight. And so that then translated to big pay-per-view draws. People knew who Tyron Lee was, but he wasn't really exciting. He wasn't really beloved. And oh, he... my God. What? Sorry. <laughs> did, I, did I say something wrong? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I was just looking at articles. Jake Paul would, would quote, would love Jorge Masvidal as his next opponent as he targets beating more bitch-ass MMA fighters. That, that's a quote. That's a quote. I'm, that's I'm just going to say, Jake Paul is, is lucky. He's, he's lucky he wasn't at the VMAs because I'm, oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure it, it would have been a lot worse for him. And by bitch but, ass, I think he means retired MMA fighters and then MMA, MMA fighters on four fight losing streaks. That's, also I think true. what he means as bitch ass. That, that might be what he means. That might be what bitch ass means in Ohio. I don't know. Oh, but, dude. We're, it's right under our nose, dude. What? Who is we're it? Missing. Vitor Belfort. So fucking dumb. How about fucking Vitor Belfort? Vitor Obviously Belfort. juiced to the gills. Fuck knocking it. out Evander Holyfield and act like he's the king of the fucking world. Yeah, Are you shitting was, me? That was disturbing almost. You have the right to be happy for your win because you trained and you beat someone on short notice. But dude, that guy's going to be my grandfather. He can barely move he's and you're acting like King man. fucking Kong when you beat him. Like, I, mean, I don't like, understand. Only Triller would section something like that. Only Florida. Dude, uh, Van Holyfield was, was uh, denied a boxing license by New York 12 years ago. Jesus. And even today, Florida was like, yep, that's fine. So that's, that's the real reason. Because that was in California originally. But then when they changed it to Holyfield because Dale Hoya got COVID, California said, no, we're not going to sanction Holyfield fighting. Like, are you crazy? Right. So they moved the whole car to Florida. But um, yeah, I, I think holy, I think uh, Jake Paul versus Vitor actually, ironically, is the closest fight that we've talked yeah, about for Jake Paul. But um, most definitely not what he's picking next because there's legit no, there's no win in that for him. Like no one knows who Vitor is. Vitor is not a legitimate boxer himself. Yeah, it's just doesn't make sense. But Vitor Belfort has been calling all for it. So yeah, and he's. Juiced up, so I think you could knock him the fuck out, and then everyone would be like, Jesus Christ. It's more about the video. It's not about the. There's no you know what? I think here. This I is a lawless he, wasteland. I, they're really, when we're talking about Triller and Jake Paul fights, this is a lawless <laughs> right. wasteland. I think the only reason Jake Paul would do it would be because he, he would just use a steroid thing so much where it would be like when he wins, he's like, Oh, by the way, I just beat up an MMA guy again, and he was on steroids. But if he loses, it's like, dude, they can only beat me if they take steroids. That's it. Right. Like it's it's one of those like built-in excuse kind of things, but who knows? Who yeah. knows? It is what it is. But I think Vitor is probably what makes them I think he's probably the most likely. And he is technically in We're, realistically the most likely. Uh I would yeah. I mean, fuck, I really hope it's not Vitor. I hope it's something yeah. other than that. Is that the think... most realistic shot? 
trouble. Not not that I'm saying that like I want like Jake Paul to get an easy win. Like I think quite the opposite. If he lost, it'd be more entertaining. But I just want a good show, and I don't think Vitor is going to bring that. Right. Um. Yeah. So I think that's enough for us here on this kind of filler episode. A little bit of a sillier one. Uh, more laid back. Um. Yeah. Do you want to plug all your shit real quick before we wrap up with the uh, main card recap here? Of course. Recap. As previously mentioned, uh, my lovely bosses over at Severe MMA. They have a website, severemma.com, where you'll see articles on up-to-date coverage, uh, live results, things like that. You can follow them on Twitter for live updates, Instagram, uh, the Severe MMA podcast. If you enjoy shows like this, the Severe MMA podcast is available on all platforms where podcasts are available, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, all that good stuff. Sweet. Um, Okay, so we have... UFC Fight Night, Anthony Lionheart Smith versus Ryan Spann. That will be live from the UFC Apex Center on ESPN Plus. Preliminary starts at 4 p.m. Main card at 7 p.m. also on ESPN Plus. Um, that is it for me. We'll be back next week to recap that. And then, boy, oh boy, do we have a banger coming up after that. September 25th Ooh. from the T-Mobile Arena pay-per-view starting at 10 p.m. Early prelims. Starting Nick Diaz is back. All on ESPN Plus. That will be main card at Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega for the featherweight strap, women's flyweight strap, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy, and of course the return of Nick Diaz at welterweight versus Robbie Lawler, a rematch 17 years in the making. Uh, we're super excited for that. So we'll be back next week to break that all down. Um, Theo, if that's it for you, that is it for me, my friend. I mean, that's it for me. If that's it for you, that's it for me. Sweet. We will see you guys next week. Peace.